Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We're two sisters on a mission to entertain and educate by learning from women who live a purpose-driven life. Be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. Today, we have Ruth Elnikave with us. She is the founder of the functional food brand, Joya. Thank you so much for being here, Ruth. Thank you for having me. Such an honor. Yeah. I love that we connected and we actually use your turmeric elixir blend. So it was like really cool. I got so excited and I got the email and I we're just glad to talk to you today. Love it. Happy to yeah, be here. I, I'm just always like, obviously people have started talking about adaptogens, but like we kind of want to talk to you about like what that big word means and to break it down for someone that doesn't live in a big city or has never heard of that word or if they saw that on the shelf at a store they'd be like oh this is something that would really help me for yeah. sure but yeah. before we get into all that I want to backtrack and go to who Ruth was as a 12 year old girl 12 12 was an interesting I, I think it was a, a beginning of a transition time for me I was um definitely wasn't the popular girl as a girl didn't it wasn't I wasn't like I didn't have trouble socially but I also wasn't in the popular crowd I was kind of just in this like in-between crowd I was a tomboy I had a ton of baby fat on me I hit puberty late so I was just I think right around 12 was a really interesting time for me because a lot of my girlfriends were you know hitting puberty and their bodies were changing and guys were giving them attention and they were and I I was still at that point probably three four years away from puberty so I still again was had all this baby fat and I wasn't growing the way they were and um so it was yeah it it was a weird and I think funny enough because at the time I didn't know that the reason I kind of had a little bit of extra weight on me was just that it was baby fat that was eventually going to naturally shed. I got all, that's when I first got kind of health conscious. Cause I, I just said, okay, that's it. I got to put myself, you know, on a diet or on a plan and lose it. And so I'd always been athletic. Like again, back then you called it tomboy. Right. But I was always athletic, 
but never had as big of a focus on diet. And that was kind of the first time that I just started to pay like more attention. And then, yeah, 12, 13. And then suddenly out of nowhere, I think when I was around 12 or 13, I just, I don't even know what triggered it, but I just started to become friends with, you know, people that were a little bit more in that popular crowd. And then as of like 14, like as of the beginning of high school, it was just a completely different, I don't know. I think I just like really came out of my shell and high school was a whole different experience. And, but yeah, it was, it was, that was definitely like 12 to 14 were big transition years for me. Well, those are definitely times when everyone is looking around and comparing themselves. And so like your insecurity of your looks at that time, like made you feel, you know, like more of a wallflower just in the mix than like going to high school, like probably running more like I mean that's how we were when we realized like we were like quote-unquote chubbier (laughs) we would like I mean that's when I'd run every day after school or like I mean did bad things like only eat watermelon and you know but a lot of girls deal with that a lot of boys do too for sure what sports did you play oh till today like anything I was one of the I've never pursued any one sport long enough to become, you know, incredible at it. But I've always been one of those people that I can just pick up sports pretty easily. And I went to a very small high school where there were only, I don't know, four or five teams for girls. So I was on all of them. And mm-hmm. I think tennis, growing up, tennis was my kind of childhood sport. But I got to that point around the age of 12, funny enough, 12, 13, where you had to decide like you either made it your thing and played five days a week with a private coach and really like took it or you just played casually. And I didn't love it enough as a single sport to want to devote my life to it. So yeah, it's just, I love water. Yeah. Team sports, individual (laughs) sports. Now that I'm older, I still don't have time for team sports, you know, commitments like that. So it's more, I, I love cycling. I love weight training, yoga. It's just a mix of, you know, things I can do on my own time. Yeah, it's fun to have that variety. But like when I was growing up, I would like go to swim practice and then I'd go home and eat like a piece of lasagna and a piece of chocolate cake. Like I had no access to information about what food does to the body and how it fuels you and how it makes you feel good and how it makes you feel bad. So that's one big thing that we like to talk to our girls about in our program Mm -hmm. is like if your parents give you $10 for an after school snack, and you have access to walk to 7-Eleven, are you going to get the bag of chips and the Coke or are you going to get a banana and, you know, a tea or a water? So it's really like important for us to be able to share information about like what you're doing, the positivity you're putting out in the world and really helping people heal and, you know, like actually prevent people from not yeah. even getting sick we like in the first place. Yeah. And like when you're talking about growing up in high school, like I wish coaches knew more about real health, not the typical textbook health. I don't even know what was happening in that class. <laughs> they were probably just like, I don't know. You know, it's kind of sad, like thinking about it. And I know like it's so different now. It's like 20 years later, but I bet they're teaching the same thing. Yeah. I mean, not to date myself, but I, I think kind of remembering back to when I was a kid, it was it was like Atkins diet or beach, but like there was no, there was no knowledge about holistic, like true holistic health. It was just very, whatever was trending at the time. And 
again, really not to age myself, but there was no access to, you know, that there wasn't the internet and there wasn't access readily available access to really dig up. It, It was just what you kind of knew or exactly what your coaches or teachers, which wasn't part of the curriculum. So unless you happen to grow up in a home with parents that were super into health and imparted that on you, not only did you not really have easy access, I think, to the information, but in terms of like packaged food on the market, we didn't have the variety today of all this, like the whole natural health product industry with all these like delicious snacks in healthy form. Like there was either just food you would cook at home or crappy processed food that was really bad for you. And so, yeah, if you didn't have, I think that homeschooling, you just didn't know at that age. And when you, when you see on Instagram, like a lot of people have the whole opposite side and they're like F diet culture. And they're like, that's super toxic and stuff like that. So like, where do you bring in like what adaptogens do, how you can add to what you're already doing? You know, instead of taking away and always coming from a place of like lack and scarcity or like restricting. and restricting and like, it's just a cycle. And so like, how does Joya bring joy to people through your products? Tell us about that. Yeah. So our products are, are incredibly powerful. And I'll talk in a second about what they do, but it's really important to remember that in, in wellness in general, everything is part of a puzzle, right? Like just like you were saying earlier, you can't exercise, but then eat like crap and expect to be healthy. You can't eat really healthy, but not move your body at all. And expect like, you, you kind of have to have, you don't have to be extreme, right? At anything, but you have to kind of, it, it's a lifestyle. It's not just an individual thing. So, you know, speaking about our products, they are, like you mentioned earlier, they're formulated on the concept of being adaptogenic. So they each have ingredients in them and they have multiple powerful ingredients. Um, Essentially, they're each a blend of adaptogens, functional mushrooms, and other really powerful, what we call tonic, like strengthening herbs that all really work together to achieve each individual product's intended effects. But it's not a cure-all, right? It has to be part of a larger, and, and you have to use them consistently. Adaptogens work very similar when you think about it to exercise, right? You can't exercise once a week and expect to get fit. It's the same thing with adaptogens. Their effect is cumulative in the body. It works over time. So our products are really, they're a supplement. They're meant to be used just like a daily multivitamin. You use them daily. If you don't use them regularly daily, you won't see the true intended benefits of the product. So if you were if you were new to the idea of adding it to like your morning ritual or to your coffee, how long does it take for your body to actually absorb the nutrients? Yeah. So the thing about functional foods, so just kind of taking a step back to what they even are. So functional foods, there's kind of terms you might have heard of, right? Superfoods, and then functional food is a little bit of a, of a newer term. So superfoods tends to be a term used for foods that are just really, really rich and dense in nutrients. That's great, super important. Functional foods are kind of the next level. So they're foods that they typically have a lot of nutrients as well, but they affect the functioning of the body. So they have benefits beyond just their nutritional value. Like think about these are foods that affect your digestion and your cognitive function and your energy levels and your hormone levels, right? They really affect the way your body functions. So that's what our products are. They've got ingredients in there that are definitely nutrient dense, 
but these adaptogens and other active ingredients are in there so that each blend has an intended effect on certain functions. So for example, we have one blend that's focused on kind of cognitive function and energy and another one that's more focused on mood and calming and so on each, but they're all adaptogenic. And so that's a really important point. Firstly, just got to say what an adaptogen is like you asked. So adaptogens, all these ingredients have of course been around for thousands of years and have been used in traditional medicine for thousands of years. So they, they weren't newly discovered, but about 80 years ago, um, a bunch of Russian scientists started to notice that athletes, um, astronauts were using these ingredients and they were really impacting their energy levels and, and all these other benefits. And so they started to scientifically test these ingredients about 80 years ago. And they started to notice that in a certain group of ingredients, they all shared certain benefits and ended up coining these ingredients adaptogens. And as we continued to discover or study herbs, more and more herbs get added to this list, but you can't just call an ingredient an adaptogen, you know, because it does one or two things. Like it has to be, you know, extensively studied and kind of check off all the conditions of being an adaptogen. So these are really cool herbs and and some functional mushrooms that kind of do three main things. So they help the body resist the effects of stress, right? So only you can avoid stress, right? Stress could be environmental and it could be emotional. It could be a relationship or work, whatever, right? Those are sources of stress. You have to adjust your lifestyle to kind of minimize that, but all stress impacts the body the same way, right? Our bodies don't discriminate. It could be working out too intense and it could be a really bad relationship you're in. The body treats it the same way. So adaptogens help your body build this resistance to the effects of the stress because stress in a nutshell throws off your hormone levels in your body. And then that in turn throws off everything else, right? Because our hormones are our messengers in our body. So your hormone levels are off, your immunity is off, your digestion is off, your, your cognition is off. So these are really important ingredients because just by helping balance hormones and your nervous system, you're really supporting almost every system in the body. And so that's what what adaptogens adaptogens are the stress blockers. (laughs) We're going to call them stress blockers over here. Blockers. I mean, it's, it's really just like, again, I I like to use exercise as analogy because just like exercise makes your body stronger, right? You kind of tear down the muscle a bit and then it makes it stronger. Same thing. We all, we need stress in our life, but not too much, right? So we get, we, we have stress and it, you know, it helps. And that's what happens. We live in a society where there's just so much stress all the time that it becomes too much. And that's where adaptogens can really help because they help build that resistance. And so, you know, we can't eliminate all stress from our lives. It's impossible. We're in a little bubble on a beach somewhere. With yeah, that. I'll be there. But we can't, right? And so, I mean, even just in our environment, like the, um, the environmental toxins, right? Our body takes that as stress or not the, you know, processed foods here and there. That's stressful on the body or being really nervous. It could be something great, being really nervous about an amazing speech you're giving the next day, like the body, right? So not all stress is, right? There's that bad stress, good stress, like exercising is great, but it's stressful on the body. And so we just, 
it's like everything in our life is constantly putting stress on our body. And so these adaptogens just help our bodies stay strong in the effect in the, of all that. I feel and, like uh, our culture right now is very fight or flight. Like we get stuck in this cycle of being chronically afraid or anxious and feeling unsafe. And it's like, I had to stop listening to the news for the last two weeks because I was like, I'm in meditation school and we're, we're you know, all you do is learn about the para- parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. It's like, I don't want to, I need to be self-aware and I need to put myself in an environment that isn't always being scared or shocked because that creates dis-ease and disease. So, you know, this is a great compliment to, you know, being more self-aware and confident and even like making this elixir is so nice because I'm doing instinctive meditation. So like I can make my coffee or make my turmeric blend and have a meditative experience, you know, and like be calm. I love how your life went full circle because I know you grew up in a food obsessed Israeli family and you love to cook. And then you actually went to the French Culinary Institute in New York, but then you went into law. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous when I think back that given that food and kind of sports were really like the two things that made me tick more than anything else that I went in a complete opposite direction, but I don't know. I think I thought I knew myself when I was young and that I needed this super intellectually stimulating professional career to be happy. Um, It was totally not inflicted by my family or anything like that. It was completely something I I put on myself. I don't know if it was maybe partially, I went to a, a private school and I think there was a lot of pressure in that environment to, you know, either become a doctor or a lawyer or accountant. So I think it might've kind of been from that environment, but yeah. So I, I fully pushed myself down the professional um, route, but even that I I really didn't know till late. Like I went and did my undergraduate degree in in college and it was kind of very general arts degree and then worked for Fuse and marketing. And then as I was approaching my late twenties, I kind of figured, okay, like if I'm going to go back to school, I better do it soon. I don't want to be, you know, in my forties and then still in school, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do at that point in my life. And so, and I was debating medicine for a while, because again, I've always been, you know, really interested in how the body works, being athletic, but medicine is one of those things that you really, really, really have to want to do to do. And I just realized in my later twenties that I just, I didn't, my heart wasn't in it enough to really want to spend the next 10 years of my life between med school and residency. So I ended up doing a combined law MBA program just because I, it it was like a practical decision. I knew I wanted to go back to school and I kind of asked around and spoke to a lot of people. And I was just told that, you know, they were both really practical degrees to have. So I went into the program, not by no means wanting to be a lawyer per se, or knowing that I was going to practice law after the program. I just figured, okay, if I'm going to go back to school, I might as well, you know, learn something practical. Um, but right before starting law school is when I went to culinary school. Cause I just, I felt like that's it. Like I'm about to dive into something that's probably going to drown me. And I'd always kind of wanted to take my culinary skills to the next level. And so I had this window of opportunity before law school started. And so I just threw myself in purely for the fun of it. 
I was for sure the only person in the program who was there just for, for fun. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, let's get a little bit of joy in before I like oh, yeah. myself miserable for years. Um, the funny <laughs> story is this particular school, like all the deans and, and instructors there that ran the school or, you know, some of the top chefs in the world. And I remember one night helping one of them at a culinary event that they were uh, running in New York and he didn't actually even realize that I wasn't intending on pursuing kind of the restaurant world after the program. And as we were prepping for the event, we started talking and this came up when he asked me about my plans. And I said, no, actually, I, yeah, I'm about to, I'm starting law school in four months. And so he took it in and then there was 150 people at this event and he knew a lot of people. And after the event, he was kind of schmoozing with some of the people in the audience and he calls me over and he goes, Ruth, I want to introduce you to this gentleman. He's a good friend of mine, and he's a partner at one of the Wall Street law firms. I think I might as well. If you're not going to stay in our world, at least I can introduce you. But yeah, it's it's just, even though it's always been that thing that like brings me so much joy. I mean, even in law school, I was the person who'd show up to class with snacks and baked goods. And I just, I never in my mind, till today, of course, saw a way that I could create a career out of it that I thought would fulfill me I knew I just didn't want to stand in the kitchen like I didn't want to you know be in a restaurant environment and just you know be cooking the same dishes every day and so at the time I just didn't know what the other options were in the food world really I just didn't see anything so I pushed myself in a different direction but it it took being very miserable in that other direction you know to kind of eventually end up where I am now I feel like being a lawyer is like problem solving right and doing a lot of research and being an entrepreneur is the same thing trial and error you know you work through it you, you throw spaghetti at the wall see what sticks so <laughs> what you learned in law school probably really helped you at the end of the day especially like how to communicate with people and you know be just always be paying attention to details which you have to be able to do that to build a a brand like yours. Do you have any advice for people who are entrepreneurs or they're maybe feeling stagnant in their job or maybe their job has made them sick, you know, or they're like just stuck in a cycle that they need to get out of? You know, change change is hard for sure, right? We get comfortable as human beings. It feels good to be comfortable and to put ourselves in a situation where we know we're going to be uncomfortable kind of goes against all you know, we wouldn't burn ourselves on purpose, right? Um, so I think, but if you're unhappy, that change has to happen, right? And so I think, yeah, I think back to when I went through that change, because I was, you know, as much as the job was running me down and there were a lot of things that were very unhealthy about it, I was making good money. I had nothing to worry about. I was good at it. And so anything I did after that, that was in a completely different space was going to be a big risk. And I think for anyone who's unhappy and knows that they need to get out of this stagnant spot, I think the key is just to set yourself up with as much support as possible so that the change and the transition and the risk, you're not doing it on your own and you have support. And so everything from, you know, just good friends who will be there for you, who you can vent to and ask for, you know, help and guidance to people. Maybe like if you have ideas of what you might be interested in, you know, start meeting people and networking so that you're, 
you know, you're learning and you know what you're getting into and you're not just diving in. But it's really, I think the key is not to feel alone in the process because change is always going to be hard. But if you're not doing it alone and you have a support system and a network, that's kind of a mix again of just like friends and family and also people in that space. I think that's a really good start because yeah, yeah, doing anything alone is, is hard. Yeah. And you're proof that you can shift gears at any age, at any time. And it's really important to be like, Teddy's just taking on real estate right now. Oh, wow. And you know, it is. It's scary. But if you do have that support system around you, it's a little less scary. Because you do freak out. Even as strong as you are and you build your body and your mind, like you're not, no one's ever perfect, you know? And last week I just cr- was crying at lunch and somebody was like, what's going on? I'm like, it's overwhelming. Well, the change is overwhelming. And if, like you're saying, if you don't have someone to to support you or like just reassure you it's almost impossible it's a lot like I think about it now a lot where you know this is the first time I've done something entrepreneurial and so in the corporate world right even if you're starting a new job a new career with a new company you're coming into an established environment right there's processes in place there's you know you're probably going to have mentors or colleagues or friends guidance right you're not doing anything alone whereas in the entrepreneurial world, not only are you starting something new, but chances are you are all alone at first. Like I know when I started Joya, it was in the early, early days, it was just me. And then till now, even it's just, it's been me and one colleague. And so there's a lot of that alone. There's not a a support system, a network of all these other people more senior to you who've been there and done that. And, And so that's why I think all the more so mentors and just having you know, other contacts in the industry, it's just so important. So you don't feel that aloneness as much. Um, I feel like one of the characteristics of a a entrepreneur that actually is an entrepreneur, because I think a lot of people without jobs like to be like, I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) It's like, Like, but I think that's the difference is like having the skill set to, to have relationships with different kinds of people that can help you design your life and inspire you to live out the dreams that you can dream of you know it's very important and a lot of people like if you're listening and it it seems so far-fetched it's not it's just it does take a lot of work even in that change like the work is like building the brand but then you have to work on yourself the whole time to lift keep yourself going in a healthy way yeah. And that's why, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's for everyone for that exact, you know, no. reason. And I think even for me, you know, one of my, one of my weaknesses, and I've always had this issue is I'm not only constantly comparing, but it's hard for me to appreciate where I am now. I'm always thinking about where I feel like I should be or where I want to be. It's actually a reason that I never really became like amazing, amazing at any one sport, because if I wasn't awesome on day one, I kind of gave up. Like I, that, that thought of, oh, it's going to take years and years of practice to become. And I kind of feel myself sometimes even doing it today where I have to remind myself, God, like you, Joy has just been around for a year. Like stop comparing yourself to the brands who've been at it for four or five years and you'll get there and you may get there sooner than they did, but you, you don't get there overnight. Like you have, you're building something here and nothing happens overnight. And it's, 
I'm not good at that. Like I have to constantly, and I get frustrated when I'm constantly comparing, you know, to the companies that I look up to that are, you know, what I want to build. And, and it's, but we're, you know, we're human and it's, it's hard not to compare and it's great to have inspiration and to have, you know, other people or other brands or whatever that you, you know, you look to as guidance and where you want to head, but then you have to to be easy on yourself, right? You have to give yourself a break and just remember that it's a journey. It's a marathon, not a race. And just, yeah, just give yourself a break. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really tough on myself. I know that's, I know that's tough. probably another characteristic of anyone that would leave, you know, a high paying job in a corporate world to build something that helps them and, you know, their community and beyond. So there, it is funny, like, what are top, like your top three characteristics? Like, how would you describe yourself and how does that help building the Joya legacy? The top three characteristics that help me as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. That you have. I think, I think one really important thing is I know what I know and what I don't know. Like, I don't try to pretend I know everything or I don't, you know, I I know what my strengths and weaknesses are and I get help where I need it. I think the, one of the biggest mistakes you can do is, is again, think, you know, everything or try to, you know, it's, you can't do everything alone. And so it's, I think it's really important to be able to identify what you're great at, focus on that and get help, you know, where you have gaps. Cause we all have gaps. So I think luckily I'm, I'm good at that. Um, I'm, I think because of the environment I come from, partially because of my personality, but also partially the environment I come from, I'm just, I'm so used to that relentless, like that, that, you know, really intense work and not giving up and having that, you know, that did set me up really well for Joya, you know, as much as I resented it in that kind of corporate legal environment where, you know, you're just working for this really big firm and it's not rewarding, at least now it's rewarding and fulfilling, but I'm, I'm, I'm so used to, you know, just not giving up and persevering and figuring, you know, digging and digging till I figure something out. Um, And again, I think that's also, you know, really important again, when in an environment where you're building something from scratch and all the answers aren't necessarily readily available and you've got so much to learn um, it, it's just this nonstop ongoing process. And so I think that's really important. Um, and so much a skill as much as, but we spoke about it earlier, that, that networking and building a community and a relationship, um, relationships, it's just, it's not just about the skill that that's almost to me, it's almost more the emotional piece. Again, like it's so easy to feel alone especially now I feel more and more with, you know, remote working and not even necessarily being every day with a group, with a team. It's, it's just so important for the the mental well-being and the emotional piece to have whatever that group is for you, but to have that network. Um, But it's a skill to build, right? Not everybody. um, Yeah. Not everybody has it in themselves to just reach out to people and, and try to bit, right. It's, it, if you're an introvert or if you're not used to that. So again, I think part of my previous career helped with that. It was a lot of kind of business development and networking and in that. And I enjoy, I mean, I like building my, you know, my circle of people. And so 
I enjoy it, but that's, I think, an important skill to develop if it's not something that comes naturally for you because you can't do it alone. Totally. Yeah. It's so inspiring. I could just listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> and learn it. from you. Listen Ruth and learn, yeah. everybody. Ruth is logging oh, on. Yeah. She's going to drop the knowledge. <laughs> yeah. That's helpful to me, though. I was just yeah. thinking about, like Sonia mentioned, like I just started a career in real estate, and that is so scary to me. But I know it's what I'm supposed to be doing. So there's like all these signs I'm on the right path. But like you said, being a beginner, and we all have to be a comfortable, like, with the beginner's mindset, but sometimes you're like, man, I'm competitive. This sucks. But I love that you said that the characteristic of knowing what you're good at and knowing what you do need help with, I'm going to use that going into my next couple months and just be open to me. Like I need help. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, what you're doing and between it taking a while to develop um, just your list of you know, contacts, people that are going to naturally reach out to you as their real estate agent to just the soft skills, I guess, involved with selling. I mean, there's, it takes, and I can imagine that it's, it's a little hard at first because you want to just be, yeah, you know, yeah. crushing it and showing 20 yeah. homes a day. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, I feel, yeah, I feel like that's a case. And I, I think even back to the corporate environment, you know, even though I was in a massive firm with hundreds of lawyers, if I wasn't able in that environment to find, you know, that small handful of true mentors and sponsors that, you, you know, the, the firm can assign you a mentor, but if you don't have the, those true relationships, those people that you don't feel bad asking a question that feels, you know, silly or the people that will really kind of go to bat for you. And especially as a female, I think in that environment, right, it's hopefully slowly getting better and better, but very male dominated environment. And, you know, for someone like me who stayed quite a few years and, you know, if you don't have people in your corner batting for you, supporting you, even in established environments like that, I mean, I feel like everywhere, it's just, community is such an important thing everywhere it really is we that's all we like pride ourselves on is building a really powerful community in LA we just had teachers we have like social workers supporting us we have everybody who's like really rallies around us and believes in our mission and it feels good because like we're we're, we work with youth and so then it's like when they're like oh well we value what you do it's nice to feel that love and energy reciprocated and that's how you move forward. You need those high fives. Yeah, you do. It's such an important, I mean, your mission is, is incredible. And, and especially in those formative, you know, those early years, like it's, it's what sets you up, right, for the rest of your, your life and having that strong, not only having a strong support network from that time, but learning how to, learning how to build it from that time, I think just sets you up you know yeah it's like why wait but unfortunately and fortunately people don't have access to all this information even in 2021 right like everyone isn't their algorithms aren't all the same like they're gonna keep getting Doritos ads if that's how they're living their life you know (laughs) so if somehow they've stumbled across Joya or Girl Powerful or our podcast right now like where would you say to begin like with finding something that like actually would be something they could bring into a daily routine that's not scary quote unquote yeah is the question diet wise or information wise what 
maybe like the wellness and like adaptogens are like maybe you can't even afford to buy joya honestly and like what is something like what's the most powerful mushroom you could find at the store like some like something like that like that kind of nugget of information yeah which is unfortunate I have to say about our products and I hope you know as we grow and our costs come down that you know we can obviously bring our product costing down and it's the one thing that frustrates me is that some of these amazing ingredients aren't as accessible Mm -hmm. because to me, part of my mission is so important that wellness is accessible, diverse, um, right? There's a quality. So that's, that's my mission and something I hope over time, you know, we can help spread with Joya, but I'd say, you know, I, this, this might sound simplistic, but for anyone who needs to start somewhere, I, I wouldn't recommend, you know, getting fancy with the fancy ingredients, I would say kind of what we spoke about right at the very beginning of our chat is just eating real food, Mm. right? So just being cognizant of what you're putting in your body and anything that has a 50 ingredient, you know, list of stuff that you don't, you can't even pronounce. Like I'd say to me, step one is always just getting used to eating real food, right? As much clearing as much processed food, out of your life as possible and just focusing on real food. The fancy functional ingredients, I mean, again, they're great and they can help and everything can help. But if your diet is super unclean to begin with, you're wasting your money, you know, with the fancy things because there's only so much they can do if what you're putting them in, you know, is a garbage can you know, it's mess. It's, yeah, it's, it's mess. I know you like, wanted to say it I know I, mean, I know Ruth <laughs> You're like, I don't and I'm not and it's not about again it's not about being extreme our bodies are resilient and they're made to deal with some crap right like our liver is the organ that detoxifies the crap we put in our body and it's a powerful organ and you don't have to be a hundred percent you know paranoid extreme it's not about that but it's about being mindful generally you know that your day-to-day, most of what you do is real. And it's it's funny how we found ourselves in this place because, I mean, I don't know exactly how many decades ago it was, but think about when my parents grew up. I mean, there was a time where food just was real, right? They hadn't invented all this processed. And, and so it's unfortunate that, you know, I think even when I was a kid, there was already a lot, but it's unfortunate that kids, you know, today are growing up in a time where there's just so much of it and it's almost in a lot of communities and environments, it's, it's the norm and you almost have to seek out real food. And that's a shame. And I hope that we're slowly on a path now with the, more, with the awareness we have today around diet and you know, the impact of things like sugar you know, and stuff on our system, like sugar is really like the new smoking, right? Like I, I hope that as that education pervades society more and more, we, we slowly get back to a place where eating food that's actually food just becomes more and more the norm. But I, I think that's the best place to start, you know, yeah, like, I, like love that. Just like, if you can find a whole vegetable or fruit, it's like, you're also sticking it to the man in capitalism at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> well, Teddy and I, we did a, a program where we grew up in Missouri and it's a food desert outside of the city. So kids had no access to fresh fruits and vegetables And it blew my mind because this was two summers ago and this is where we grew up and we had access to fresh fruit and vegetables and like 20 minutes away, they didn't because they didn't have transportation. 
So we brought organic clementines, grapes, like everything. Like we had some sponsored snacks that were healthy, but seeing the kids like treat the fresh food like it was candy like they had you know like it like was, it was gold like it like was, gold. It was like, like something you would maybe steal out of someone's backpack because like, you wanted it that bad and then we just sent them home on the bus with all this fresh food after our event and we're like please take it share it with your family but you don't like you don't think about it because we're all on autopilot we're all like how am I going to be successful how am I going to have a family how am I going to do this you know, and then in and your backyard, there's people who don't even know what grapes are. Yeah, that it's, was it. We were, we left there bawling our eyes out and yeah. we're like, how can we help more? How can we change the system that the, the kids are just like, you know, victims really. And they're, they're survivors at the end of the day after yeah. it. But it's like, why doesn't anyone care? It's, it's unbelievable to me that that's still in North America, in areas that are so close to major cities, that is still the reality. And you think about what our governments are pumping so much money into, but not dealing with that. Like it, it boggles my mind and you think about the future, right? Like these are, these are kids that that's what they're learning. How are, you know, as young adults, as adults, when that's all, you know, you know, how, how are you not pre-diabetic by the time you're you know a teenager or a young adult like it's and that's again yeah for me you know I, I I know that the products we sell are on the kind of extreme of wellness but to me again not everybody can access that you know right away to me like solving this problem is such a priority and and figuring out how we can all do our share to Well, yeah. And like, we're telling the kids, like, especially like in underserved communities, like stay in school, like go to college. And it's like, they don't have the brain function to even do that because they're living off goldfish and corn from a can. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's all connected and no one even thinks about that. You're like putting these kids, like, be like, here's some goals, try it. It's not going to work because you, you know, you've never had anything green in your life. Yeah. I just, I, I love that you said like how you have to be more like conscious about being present. And I think that's a big thing when we do talk to the girls about nutrition is like when you do eat that one raw thing, that one thing from the earth and you like start doing it more and more, take a pause and think about how you feel. Do you feel lighter? Do you feel more free? Like, did you do well on that test? It's so important to like, you know, like say, yes, you should do this, but you also notice how it makes you feel. Yeah. Teach like a self-inquiry, self, you know, self-guided everything. That's what Girl Powerful is. Like you have to guide yourself through this big, beautiful, but messy life. Yeah. And even, you know, again, like not everyone's going to have access to the best and organic, but, you know, even if you can slowly once a week, um, you know, cook a meal for your family or with your family. And again, no one's going to expect you to do it every day overnight, but, you know, slowly doing things like that, where again, we're getting back in touch with food. Mm -hmm. It may, it may not be the best food or the, you know, but even exercises like that, where it's not so much about the food itself, but the experience with it, right. Not just opening a package and eating a processed bar, but actually preparing a meal from scratch, even if it's super simple, but just 
slowly developing that relationship with actual food again I think that often so many people just have never done it they've grown up in a home where again everything was processed and so even that exercise of oh wait a minute like this is actually what it's like to cook a meal like it can be to me that it can be like the gateway um, for a lot of people and then you want to learn more and then you want to do more but then your algorithm changes if you're looking up healthy new recipes then you're not going to get the Doritos ad. So it all, it's all connected. That algorithm thing is, I talk I to children all day, so I just keep it like that. I'm like, <laughs> let's talk about Doritos. But anyway, the last thing that we love to talk to all these beautiful, powerful women that we speak with is what makes you feel most alive? What makes me feel most alive? I hope I can give two answers for this. So one thing is water and specifically the ocean. There's something about, for me, being in an ocean, in the waves. Um, I think it's an environment where you just have no power and control versus the water and the waves and just that that feeling of letting go and not having control and being thrown around by the waves. Um, it just, it's something being in water has just always had such an impact on me. Um, but the other thing and kind of more directly tied to my day to day and what I do, what I'm lucky to do today is um, I, I'm just completely moved and get so much joy from bringing people joy through food. And it's something that has excited me like crazy since I was a little girl, just baking things for people and bringing it to them and seeing the joy on their face. When I was older, throwing dinner parties and seeing the joy on everyone's face around a table and even sharing a meal with the family and just that power that food has to bring people together and and everything kind of else fades away in that moment. Um, yeah, that experience of sharing and experiencing food with other people is just something I find so powerful. And the other question is, where can listeners find Joya? You can find us on our website and our social. Our website is joya.ca. So that's not com, dot C-A. And on social, we are at The Joya Life. And that's definitely the best place to find us. We share lots of amazing both health information and tips and lots of great recipe ideas on our website. So it's a, a great place to go both for kind of more information about functional foods and adaptogens and wellness generally, but also lots of great ideas for how to use our products and just how to make lots of delicious, healthy, nourishing snacks. And we share lots of information and uh, inspiration on our social as well, specifically Instagram. So come join us and check us out. Thanks to our guest. For more information on her, see the show notes. 
please hit subscribe if you have not already. That way, a new episode is delivered directly to your feed every week. 